some of us uh, are older and some of us still very young. What is your calling in life? What has God called you to do with your life? What does God want you to do or to be? Do you have an answer? Don Hillis wrote a book with the title, I Do Not Feel Called, and the subtitle is, Thank You, Lord. Because many people feel that way. I don't feel that God has called me to anything, and I'm so thankful for it, because if he called me, I would have been in trouble. In this book, he makes a case that every person, every person here today, received a call from God. At least to be a witness to Jesus Christ. But he says that people are not so easily motivated. It reminds him of something that took place during the Vietnam War in which America was involved. And maybe some of you who are older would remember pictures like this. On more than one occasion, you would have seen a group of young people standing on a flagpole and sometimes even burning the flag of the United States. It was called the so-called burning of the draft card when people were called to go and serve in Vietnam they refused to do that now Don Hillis says that the Christian church faces a much bigger challenge much more serious problem that is people who are evading their Christian service. Evaders of the command, the calling of God upon your life. You see, it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another thing to obey the message that you've heard. It's difficult to move from hearing with our ears to hearing with our heart and with our life. And that's sometimes a very difficult exam for the believer. This is what Samuel experienced in the school of his dealings with God. And we know that Samuel eventually passed that exam. We read at the end of the the reading of today, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south, from the south to the north, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. 
But that's not the full story. This certificate of approval didn't fall in his lap. His courage, his courage have, has been tested, especially the first time when he heard the voice of God. The first time when he received this decisive prophetic assignment. Try to imagine yourself in his situation. He doesn't want to do many things. He's, he doesn't cherish high aspirations. He doesn't want to have positions or seek publicity. He doesn't want to be known. We read that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. He only wanted to faithfully perform his modest daily task undisturbed in the temple. He was pleased to receive commands from Eli and to care for the welfare of the old priest. But then there's something that this submissive Samuel in his wildest dreams couldn't foresee. A thing that totally messed up his routine existence. While he was sleeping, the Lord wakes him and begins to talk with him. And, and we, we heard that his first and obvious thought was that Eli called him. That this maybe may the voice of the Lord just didn't enter his mind. In fact, it's not strange either. You cannot only blame Samuel's lack of discernment or youthful experience. Even the experienced man of God, Eli, didn't immediately know. Only after the third time, he began to realize something's going on here. There are two very disturbing sentences in this story. The first, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The symbol of the presence of God amongst the people. Somehow, this young boy sleeping near the ark of God did not realize that God was present. He didn't recognize the voice of God. It says that he still didn't know the Lord. He was sitting in the presence of God and still didn't know God. Makes me think how often we sit here in the presence of God and still do not recognize his voice. 
or sitting at home reading the Bible as part of our routine, but do not hear God speaking to us, to me. The second one is the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And then we read, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Among the people of the Lord, everything went according to the custom. Coming to church, going to church, performing our religious duties, but no living word of renewal was heard. No inspiring visions of God's kingdom. Yakir Bell writes, the people did not listen anymore. Everyone had their mouths full, but their ears closed. Israel slept like Eli and Samuel in the safe corridors of business. Sometimes I stand here and I see also how people sleep away. Totally satisfied with the ritual of coming here. But in this contentment, Israel were deaf for the demands of God's righteousness, blind to the visions of God's promises. This was the situation. A young boy not recognizing the voice of God. An old priest not recognizing the voice of God. A people not seeing any visions anymore. Until this night. The night when God decided, I've had enough of it. I'm going to raise a new prophet to make my word clear and without fault amongst the sleeping Israel. Listen what he says. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. As I said, it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's quite another to obey the message that has been heard, to hear with our hearts and with our lives. Listen to the message that he received. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house, 
will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. What a burden. Samuel, the young boy, is given a burden of divine message which is seemingly unbearable for him. He was called to give a word that he didn't feel up to, to share. What matters now is whether he was going to obey what God has said. If such a thing is landed upon you today, I'm sure it gives you, it will give you sleepless nights. Try to imagine yourself for a moment standing in his shoes, lying in his bed. Try to imagine what went through his mind while he was thinking about this message of judgment against Eli. Lord, I'm just a young boy. How dare I address old uncle Eli? Do you not understand that he was like a father to me? That he brought me into the temple and taught me everything I know? Lord, I don't have the heart for this. I'm afraid. If you understand something of this severe struggle that he has, of course you would have a lot of sympathy with his first action in the morning. Samuel lay down until the morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. I'm sure you have sympathy with him. But sympathy does not soften the horrendous failure of Samuel. For what Samuel does, in spite of all his shyness, is an act of disobedience. A betrayal of his calling. He avoids his nightly calling by diving deeply into his daily routine. First thing in the morning, he just went on with his business, opening the doors. Instead of obeying his divine mission instantly. He first attends to his customary duties. He hurries to the temple doors to let the early churchgoers enter. You understand this. At night, Samuel is appointed as a prophet. In the morning, he turns out to be the caretaker. Samuel the stalwart, the faithful, on his post. Friendly and engaging as ever, he welcomes the people with hearty morning greetings. At first glance, we would think, this is a devout man. The image of someone consumed by zeal for the Lord's house. But if we knew what happened to him that night, 
we would also know that this fear of his prophetic calling consumes him. Behind the friendly face of the helpful caretaker lies the troubled heart of an unwilling messenger, a fleeing prophet. Apparently, he participates in religious practice, but he's actually just postponing his service to God. Do we recognize ourselves in, in this mirror of Samuel? See, this is what the Bible is about. Our passage contains a mirror in which we may see ourselves as individual believers, but also as a congregation and as a church in Ireland. I'm sure that you, like me, very often try to escape the clear command of God on our lives, hiding it in pious acts, substituting it with all kinds of things. We can use the ship of the church as the ship of Jonah, the ship with which we flee to Tarsus because we're afraid of going to Nineveh. We can hide our fear behind a hymn or a sermon. We can ignore our divine calling through a religious ritual. We can use our church going to escape our prophetic task in our family. We can cast our heart and soul into what the church is doing, fundraising and all those kind of things. Because personally, we are reluctant to surrender ourselves to the Lord of this church. We can serve on many things in life because we want to postpone our conversion as long as possible. We can silence the voice we heard at night under the noise of the daily hustle and bustle. That Samuel did his duty that morning is not an offense in itself. What was wrong was that he used his task to escape his calling. We cannot accuse him of, of laziness. We can, however, say that he was disobedient. God, you see, has a pleasure when we make a good contribution to mission, provided that it is not an excuse for our failure to be witnesses where we are. God has a pleasure in our Sunday church going. As long as the word we've heard does not stay here in the church, but also guides us in the week at home and at work. We can quietly meet our official appointments in Jerusalem if our appointments are not 
used as an excuse to hurry past the helpless next to the road. The God of Samuel has explicit preferences for the agenda of your life. He welcomes the gifts we bring to his altar. But if we are not living in peace and reconciliation with our brother and sister, it means nothing. He doesn't mind that we repair our church and build beautiful places that can honor him as long as we do not make him feel uncomfortable with the lack of our praise and worship when we are together. We can be very devout, but not willing to talk to our children when they utter blasphemies against God. Just like Eli, we can fail to restrain our children when they walk away from God. See, Jesus calls us in Matthew 10 to an undivided and unconditional loyalty to him, not to our friends, not to our family, not to the community, but to him. He says that if we love our father or mother or son or daughter or friends more than we love him, we're not worthy of him. You understand, we are sometimes in the same boat as Samuel. We're sometimes in the same boat of Jonah. We hear the voice telling us that we should speak to Eli, the father of our faith, the friend that we have for many years, our children, about God's righteousness, about the dishonoring of his name. But we are just scared and we postpone it. Do you ever have sleepless nights because God has spoken to you about something that you need to do? Something that you have to address in his name because you have seen a vision of God's coming kingdom. That you have dreams of a new heaven and a new earth. Have you ever had a sleepless night because of the things that Roy mentioned this morning? About human trafficking, children trafficking, refugees in camps, homeless people, governments that do not honor the Lord, a family member they do not honor God. If you say, yes, I've had sleepless nights about that, then there is hope. Because then I would suggest that we pray for one another. 
that we would say, Lord, we need your help here. We need to stand together as a church, as a family of believers, to address the things that are not according to God's will. Yes, it will not be easy. Yes, we will lose friends. Yes, maybe a family member will maybe turn his back on us. But what is more important? To honor God or to dishonor Him? Jesus says in John chapter 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He is with us in this assignment. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. At home, at your work, amongst your friends and family. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. We need to pray that God may give us the power to proclaim the word that we've heard in Christ Jesus. To proclaim the word of resurrection. The word of liberation and renewal in humility. But a word that our world urgently needs. Who knows? Perhaps our fear, like Samuel's, is totally unfounded. Perhaps we will be surprised that the Eli's that we're afraid of to share, to whom God sends us every day, do not want us to keep one word from what God has said to us. Maybe they wait in the morning that you should go and say. Maybe they waited for a long time and say, what is it that God said to you? I want to hear. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Perhaps we will find that Eli is waiting for our testimony for a long, long time. And who knows? Maybe we will also pass the exam like Samuel. And maybe just like he was recognized as a prophet from the north to the south, we will be recognized throughout Ireland, throughout our homes, in our jobs, 
from Mullenhead to Fasnet Rock. What is God's calling in your life? I want to close with this story. Um, I've been in Moscow quite a few times and on the Red Square, there's this amazing cathedral, St. Basil's Cathedral. Absolutely beautiful place. When the architect finished this, this building, the emperor said, you will never be able to do the same. So he took his eyes out. But the vision of that beautiful cathedral lived in the mind of this man. God has given us a calling, a vision of a new heaven and a new earth. And we're on our way there. God has this calling upon your life today. And you know what you have to do today. Not tomorrow. Today. May that vision that you've seen this morning, this word that you've heard this morning in your, in your ears, may it lead you to immediate action. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have called us to your service. Make us obedient. Let us hear once again what we have to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.